This podcast was recorded live at Life Church Lancashire. For more information on who we are and what we do, visit lifelanks.org. So today we're going to um, we're going to continue our series that Pete began last week, and this series is called Kingdom Living, and um, we've got a six-week series called Kingdom Living, and throughout this series we are exploring what it means to live for the kingdom of God, what it means to make the kingdom of God our primary concern. How is it that we can enact, how is it that we can live out the prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven? And that's what we're going to be looking at over, over the next few weeks. And if you, if you weren't here last night, uh, last week, if you weren't here last night, no, there was I, no one was here. If you weren't here last week um, <clears throat> when Pete spoke and, and began this series, and I'd really encourage you to get the podcast or the live stream. Um, but Pete talked about if we're going to understand what kingdom living is, let's just take a step back and understand what is the kingdom. Because Jesus spoke a lot about the kingdom of God, the, the kingdom of heaven. He said the kingdom of God is near, it's at hand. And the word kingdom, when we, when we read it in the New Testament, the, the biblical Greek word is basilia, which means the rule and the realm and the reign and the royalty. So the kingdom of God is the rule and the realm and the reign and the royalty of God. It is anywhere where God is welcomed as king, where his reign is acknowledged, where his rule is accepted. And so the kingdom of God is at work in the lives of God's people. And yet scripture tells us that there is something more to come. That it is here and now, but that there's more for us to see. And sometimes people use the phrase, it's now, but not yet. It's like it's downloading, like it's in process. And one day we'll see the kingdom revealed in fullness. The day we look forward to our future hope as the people of God. And so that's what we're talking about when we're talking about kingdom living. How can we live like, like Jesus is our king? And to welcome him in as our king. And this morning, I want to I consider the currency of the kingdom. <clears throat> I want to consider the currency of the kingdom because every kingdom has a currency. So we're here in the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland. And our currency is pounds. Very good. Now, I'm wondering if we've got any. Uh, that was an easy one. I've got a few more to test you, okay? So you feel free to put your hands up if you feel like you're in school or just shout out. There might be a prize if you get a really tricky one. Anyone know what the currency of Denmark is? Krona. Very good. Danish krona. Anyone know the currency of Hong Kong? Let's go louder. Yes, the Hong Kong dollar. Oh, it's too, you, lots of you are getting them right. I've only got one prize. Um, what about Malawi? Yes! You get the prize! The Malawian Kwacha. So, because I only heard one voice that time, Hannah, you get a prize at the end. Well done. This morning, I want to consider the currency of the kingdom. Because it's my conviction that when we're talking about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, it's my conviction that grace is the currency of the kingdom. That grace is what we give and what we receive. That grace is what we exchange. Grace is what freely flows around the kingdom. And so to consider this, that this morning, I, wanna, I want us to reflect on two verses from Matthew 6. 
And this comes directly after the Lord's Prayer, the Kingdom Prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Forgive us today as we forgive those who have sinned against us. And it comes just before that incredible verse and passage that Pete spoke from last week about seek first the kingdom of God. So if you want to have a look over all of uh, Matthew 5 and 6 over the next few weeks, I would encourage you to do that. But I do need to warn you, I feel like these verses need to come with a disclaimer. You know, sometimes when people say, do you want the good news first or the bad news? It's a little bit like that. Because one of these verses is really encouraging and uplifting, tiny, tiny bit challenging, but mostly just like, yes, encouraging, uplifting. The other one is really uncomfortable. It's like they've chosen good cop, bad cop. So I'm just getting the disclaimer out there before I read it. Take a deep breath, it is going to be okay, okay? Matthew 6, 14 to 15. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. The bad cop's coming. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. So these two verses say, you should forgive. Yes, okay, we get that. It's not easy, but we see that elsewhere in the Bible. We understand even in contemporary culture that forgiveness is good for the forgiver. And then it says that your heavenly father will forgive you. Wonderful, we receive that. Thank you very much. And then it says, if you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. Ouch. That's not comfortable to read, is it? Unless it's just me and you guys are good with it. Like, that's not comfortable. And this is something that I have wrestled with for a number of years. I've wrestled with how do I reconcile this with what I see as I look throughout the voice of Scripture about who God is? How do I reconcile this with, with a God who Scripture tells me so loved the world that he gave his one and only son? You see, to me, that sounds like the king of a kingdom that operates in the currency of grace. Now, how do I reconcile this verse with a God that Scripture tells us gives generously to all without finding fault, who lavishes his love on us? That sounds to me like the king of a a kingdom that operates in a currency of grace. So how do I reconcile this uncomfortable verse with an understanding of God, the scripture says the Lord is gracious and compassionate, that he's slow to anger, that he's rich in love. That definitely sounds like the king of a kingdom that operates in the currency of grace. So how do we understand a verse like this in the context of what else we see about the nature and the character of God in scripture, a God who's rich in love, who's abounding in grace, who's overflowing with mercy? The way that I have come to understand this is that when we choose not to forgive, so when we choose not to release the the feelings of resentment or vengeance or anger towards a person or a group that have harmed us, or when we choose to hold on to what was done to us, the harm that was done to us as if it is a debt that is now owed to us by that person. That when we choose to do that, 
It's as if we're turning up in a kingdom that operates on the currency of grace and we're using a completely different currency. It's like rocking up at Tesco Burnley and getting your dollars out or getting your euros out or getting your quacha out. Have you got any at home, Hannah? Yeah. It just is like this is a completely different currency. It doesn't work here. That's not how it works here. And it's like we're we're trying to use and operate by and live by a currency of legalism that says you wronged me and now you owe me. And I'm holding on to the debt that you owed, that you that you owe me because of what happened to me. And of course, whenever we're talking about forgiveness, that we I'm not diminishing the harm that was done. I'm not making light of that. I'm not making it a small thing. I'm not saying that it was okay. But forgiveness frees us, doesn't it? And so a God who is love, a God who's full of grace and mercy, the way that I see it is not that God withholds it from us, but that we remove ourselves from it because we're over here operating by a completely different currency. We're operating by a currency of legalism when Jesus invites us into the currency of grace because that's how the kingdom operates. Grace is what is meant to freely flow through the kingdom. Grace is what is meant to be exchanged from us to others as we receive that from God. It's what we give and receive. And biblical scholar Tom Wright puts it like this. The heart that will not open to forgive others will remain closed when God's own forgiveness is offered. That the heart that will not open to forgive others will remain closed when God's own forgiveness is offered. Now, as I reflected on that idea and that quote this, re- this week, I began to think about Terry's chocolate orange. You didn't see that come in, did you? Anyone else a fan? Yeah? And uh, so here in my hand is a wrapper from a Terry's chocolate orange. And it's one that we had left over from Christmas that we just about finished last night. Now, it's got no use to me. I don't need it. There's not even any crumbs in there. It doesn't really still smell of chocolate. So what use is it to me? I'm not a crafty person, so I'm not going to turn that into a birthday card. It's got no use to me. It's rubbish it's finished with. I don't need to hold on to it anymore. But let's imagine that I choose to hold on to it, to hold on to the thing that I don't need anymore, that actually I just need to let go of and put in the bin. Then let's imagine that Dave comes along. Come along, Dave. And Dave, because he is a nice, generous guy, has a Terry's chocolate orange, which, Hannah, is your prize at the end of my illustration. And she's your daughter. Did you, did you line her up for it? <laughs> she's just really clever. And so Dave wants to offer me this chocolate orange, and like most of us, I want to accept it, but I can't take hold of it because my hand is full. My hand is full of something I'm holding onto that I don't need anymore. It's actually rubbish. I need to let go of it. I need, to, I need to put it in the bin. I need to let go of it so that I can take hold of the new. And, and, and that's, for me, how, how I understand this, this tricky verse, that it's not that God 
withholds it from us. God wants to give it to us. He wants to give his forgiveness to us because he's the king of a kingdom that operates by the currency of grace. But when we hold on to unforgiveness, we can't take hold of the forgiveness that God is offering to us. Thank you, Dave. So wonderfully acted. You can go and give that to Hannah after. And so I've reflected on, on Tom Wright's quote, and I've updated a little, it a little bit, and I hope he doesn't mind. But he won't know, because he's not watching the live stream. The hand that will not open to let go of the wrapper will remain closed when the Terry's chocolate orange is offered. <laughs> Bryony Baker. See, my belief, my conviction is not that God wants to withhold forgiveness and grace from us, but that when we hold on to unforgiveness, with our hands and our hearts are closed to receive the forgiveness and the grace of God. It's like we're turning up in a place that operates by the currency of grace, and we've got the dollars, we've got the euros, we're not using the right currency as we try and live by this legalistic way. You see, in the kingdom of God, where grace is intended to flow freely, unforgiveness becomes like a logjam. Now, I'm mixing my metaphors this morning on purpose. I'm fully aware of it, and I'm good with it, because I think this, I hope this might help some of us understand in a new way this morning, to hear the heart of God, to experience the grace of God, and to open our heart, perhaps to forgive when it seemed impossible before. You see, the, in the kingdom of God, where grace is intended to flow freely, unforgiveness becomes like a logjam. You see, grace is like a mighty river that runs through the kingdom. And the water flows and, and we receive the grace of God and we experience the love of God and the forgiveness of God. And that equips us and that strengthens us to pass that on to others because it isn't easy oftentimes to forgive. When we receive grace from other people, it softens our heart to pass that on to someone else. See, grace is meant to flow freely through this kingdom. But when we choose not to forgive, it's like we, we build up a logjam. And bit by bit, it, it stops the free movement of grace that God wants to do. It stops it moving when unforgiveness can become like a logjam. So how do I know that I need to forgive? And what are the signs, perhaps, that I've, that I've built up a bit of a logjam, that there's something I'm holding on to, that, that there's something that I'm holding on to that is stopping me from receiving the fullness of God's grace and mercy? How do I know if I need to forgive? Well, I want to share some signs that I've learned from my own life and from the lives of others. And these are, this is not an exhaustive list, um, it's not always the case. But I would say if any of these make you think, oh, that's me sometimes, then this might be a good opportunity for you to go to God and say, do, do I need to forgive? Is there something I need to forgive? Or, you know, do I need to forgive that person or that group? So here's some of the signs that I think might show us there's something we need to forgive. So the situation or the person or the, or the group consumes my thinking in an unhealthy way. So it's what I think about when I'm not thinking about anything else. It's like my default, that I always come back to it. That sometimes I have a conversation with that person in my head and I know exactly what to say. 
and I win the argument, and I'm like, yes, I finally got you back, because I had the right thing to say at the right time. You know, I often perhaps talk about that situation or that group or that person, and, and I want people to know how much I was hurt. I want people to know the pain that I'm in. Some of those things might be an indicator that we need to forgive. And if you see yourself there, then take that to God. I'm not the expert. I'm not saying that's definitely the case, but take that to God and humbly ask him that question. Another sign might be that there seems to be a block in my relationships. In my relationship with God and my relationship with others, there just seems like a block, like a wall, like there's this distance, and I don't know why. If, you've ever, if you find yourself experiencing that, perhaps go to God and say, God, is there someone, something that I need to forgive? Someone says to you, do you think you need to forgive that person? Which if you're anything like me, you'll go, no. And then think about it a little bit. It's not a nice, I don't, I've not enjoyed when someone said that to me because it's already raw if I, if I need to forgive someone. But sometimes it's the people near us and the people around us that spot it before we do. So don't snap at them. Tell them myself. Or perhaps you've boxed it off and you've shut the lid. Because that's the, the, the way that you think, is it, that that's how, how you're going to cope with what's happened. But you see, processing what's happened is, is always more healthy but it is also more painful. But processing the things that have happened rather than boxing them off and closing the lid brings us to a healthier place, a place of freedom, a place of liberation. And almost all the time, forgiveness plays a part when we process the past. So those might be some of the, some of the signs that might point towards perhaps I need to forgive. And if you see yourself, if any of that rings true for you, then as I said, take that to God and humbly ask the question, God, do I need to forgive? And he will give you the strength. But lastly, I just want to consider if, if we're going to live in this, if we're going to sign up to the kingdom living, to live in a, in a kingdom that operates in a currency of grace, how is it that we can actually forgive? How can we forgive? Because it isn't easy oftentimes, and it's painful when it comes at a cost. So how can I release that logjam that's built up in my life? How can I let go of those feelings of anger and resentment and vengeance? How can I release that person or that group of the debt that I've been holding over them after what they did for me? It's really important just to remember that forgiveness is not saying that what they did is okay. Forgiveness is, does not lead necessarily to us trusting that person again. It's not taking responsibility for their actions. And it's not the same as reconciliation, because reconciliation takes two parties. Forgiveness takes just one. And it's not, it's not dependent on them saying sorry. You know, sometimes it, it, it helps us for someone to admit fault and responsibility. But if we're dependent on that, we might be waiting forever. So how can we go through this process of forgiveness? First of all, recognize that it's just that. It is a process. It's a process that takes time. But maybe today, if you're feeling stirred about that, you could take the first step. And the first step in that process is to express a desire to forgive. God, I want to forgive. 
I'm not fully there right now, but I want to be in a place where I have fully forgiven. And then let your mouth lead and trust that your heart will follow. God, I forgive that person. Still not feeling it, but I forgive that person. I forgive that person for the wrong that they did to me. They owe me nothing. I am letting go of what I was holding on to because I don't need it anymore. It needs to go in the bin. Ask God for the strength to forgive. Ask God for the strength. And begin to pray God's best over that person. Begin to pray God's best over that person because when you pause for a moment and and, and begin to think, what is the best that I could desire for that person in their life, and you begin to pray that, it stirs something in you that you begin to have a love and a grace for them that wasn't there before. And for me, this was absolutely my story and has been at times, I invite the band just to come and help us as we come to an end. For me, when I was a teenager, and so teenagers in the room on the live stream, you are never too young to learn this process, to take hold of this. And um, if you get used to dealing with things quickly and not holding on to them for years, it will put you in good stead. And I was a teenager and I had been really betrayed by someone in my life and I was really hurting. And I knew I need to forgive. And so I stood at one end of my living room and I began to pray, God, I want to forgive this person. I want to forgive. I began with expressing my desire to forgive. I want to forgive this person. I want to let go of this. I don't want to hold on to this anymore because we know, don't we, that someone harms us. They harm us and that's real. When we hold on to unforgiveness, we continue to harm ourselves. God, I want to forgive. I want to let go. And so I began to speak it out and let my heart kind of catch up. God, I forgive this person for what they've done. It helped me to name and identify what they had done rather than being generic. That helped me personally. And then after I forgive them for what they've done, my very next breath was, God, help me to forgive. I forgive them. I release them. God, help me to forgive. As I was speaking it out and letting my heart follow, my prayer was, God, would you give me the strength? And as I felt like I'm moving forward a little bit in this process, I took another step across the living room. And I paused, God, I want to forgive this person. I release them. I, I, they owe me nothing. God, give me the strength to forgive. And I began to make a step across the living room. Each time it felt like I've moved forward a little bit in that process. And as I got towards the other side of the living room, I began to pray God's best. I began to think about what, what God might desire. What God might desire for this person. I began to pray God's best over them. And my heart began to change a little bit more. And I I began to feel like I'm letting go of that hurt. And I'm letting go of the debt that I I was holding over them, that they owed me for what they'd done to me. And I took another step and another step. And I spent probably 20 minutes to 30 minutes making my way across the living room. It wasn't a big living room, didn't need 20 minutes to walk across it. But I took step by step. And as I got to the other side of the wall, I felt, as I got to the wall on the other side, I felt free. And there were moments after that where it popped back up and I went through the process 
just to make sure I'd smoothed everything off. But for me, that was an example of embracing the process. And sometimes it takes so much more time than that. Sometimes it takes more time than that, and it takes more time, and we're a bit more time, we take a bit more time on this step, or, or this next step here, beginning to pray God's best, just feels like that's a bit much. But for me, that has been a way that has liberated me to forgive. And I've gone through that process at other times and other ways, and I've continued to listen. God, have I really dealt with that? So I need to bring it back to you again. If you found this podcast inspiring and helpful, then we'd love for you to get in touch via at lifelanks on social media or our website, lifelanks.org. Life Church, impacting our neighbours, our nation, and the nations with the good news about Jesus.